Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Peachy Keen. I'm Vivian Liddell, and this is my podcast. It's episode six, and it's been about a month since I talked to Candace Greathouse. So much has happened since then. Life's ups and downs just keep coming. School's out. Kids are here with me full time. I have too much time to be alone, or at least not in the company of adults, and to think. And I've been trying to be productive, make art, read, be here in the here and now with the kids, and fight the urge to whittle away the time on the time suck that is the internet. I'm not as productive in the summer as I usually am the rest of the year, but I did get an afternoon in the studio this week, found myself sitting for hours, sewing a giant, maybe seven foot in diameter, giant tire. Just sitting. Sewing in a big circle. Looking across the studio at the paintings that go with the tire and listening to Elliot Smith. I could never be the puzzle pieces And say God makes problems Just to see what you can stand For you to as the devil pleases Give up the thing you love Smith is what I listen to when I'm feeling like embracing the the darker depths of my personality. Sometimes I try to fight the dark, the dark depths, and uh, you know, purposefully choose like to listen to Taylor Swift or something like that. But on this day, instead, I was just zoning out, getting into the Elliott Smith, and it sounds kind of ridiculous to say now, thinking back on it you know, in a podcast and everything. But what I was really thinking about was death. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know how my mind just goes there. You know, my parents are getting older. And when I talk to them now, it's a constant update on their health. My mom just had surgery. My dad's having surgery next month. I remember when my grandmother went through this and my dad's mom and it became kind of a joke in our family. Don't call granny unless you got an hour to talk about medication. But for real y'all, this is the point that I'm at right now with my parents. And, you know, to be real, I'm always thinking about death. I used to think it was because of my anxiety disorder, but... Then I watched this episode of Art 21. Art 21 is a PBS show series that interviews artists, which I totally am obsessed with. And they interviewed this Vancouver artist, Liz Magor. I watched this interview with her when they first aired it in September of last year. So much of it resonated with me. She talked about 
trying to fit in with the other painters. But when I dropped out of the design school and came back to Vancouver, I was hanging around with a lot of artists. They were all guys. They were all painters, <laughs> guy painters. And so I worked alongside my friends, watching them. They were making real art. I was making little things. Then I started to focus on them more till they became more interesting, more complex. And about how artists are always obsessed with death. I would be surprised if 99% of the artists you talk to don't say death really interests me. <laughs> Part of the work of being an artist is that you are always contemplating the beginning of something and the end of something. There's a whole bunch of births and deaths every day in the studio. Some people sort of die before they do die. They die while they're still alive. So, you know, a question is, is there life before death is really the question. <laughs> I loved hearing her say this because it made me feel a little more normal. I think about Liz McGore's interview and specifically this quote about death quite often. So it wasn't that unusual that I would think of it this week during my conversation with Tori Tinsley. Although I do think it is specifically applicable to her work. Tori's mother has frontotemporal dementia also called frontotemporal degeneration, which causes nerve damage in the brain. This diagnosis has had a strong impact on Tori's life and her work. Tori's an Atlanta artist, and this was my second visit to her studio. I was there about six months ago for a Seek visit. Seek's a group of Atlanta artists who do critiques of each other's work on a monthly basis. And since then, Tori has been very busy. She's had solo shows at Twin Radius and at iDrum. She's a 2016-2017 Walt Hall Fellow through Wonder Root and is now represented by Hathaway Gallery. She's also a founding member of Day and Night Projects and Doppler Projects. So, wow, that's a lot. And on the Saturday morning when I arrived, she was getting ready for an opening that was happening that night at the Zuckerman Museum of Art where she has a large-scale mural and a few paintings that are part of the exhibit Race Car. And that is still up, so you should go check that out. What I was most impressed by was when I went back in her studio, and i it's only been six months since I've been there, there was none of the same work that I saw last time. I could see a few 3D pieces. There was some soft sculpture, like a big pink ball of limbs hanging from the ceiling that I recognize and a few 3D pieces kind of tucked back into the corner. She had some visible storage with a lot of 2D pieces um, tucked into the back of the studio. But none of the paintings that I'd seen before were out. They were all either stored away or off at shows and she had a big new painting up on one wall with the center figures cut out of it. The center figures were sitting in the floor next to a sewing machine. She was going to do some sewing on those. And Tori and I sat down on a cozy couch right next to the sewing machine and the cut-up painting on the floor to have our chat.
yeah, I go, I go back and forth because I like for people to buy my work, but I, it's also like an emotional like loss. And I worry about that piece almost as if it's like <laughs> my child out in the world. I used to be like that about my work and now I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I think just like with, with age to me now, once I always call time of death on my works, like once it's finished, it's pretty much dead to me. That's oh, how I feel about it. I should get to that point. And then I don't, I'm not interested in it when I can't interact with it anymore. Although mm. I do have a few pieces that are like, require I'm starting to get more into like installation things or things that require you to set them up at the site mm, and yeah. those I get more attached to and I think it's because I feel like they're never finished oh yeah I can always slightly change that would, them that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah they're like living breathing things mm -hmm. they're like out mm. there in that space yeah yeah I I hope I get to that point where I can I don't know you do you don't we'll want to see. be unattached to your work like no but it'd be nice to have that moment of finality of like now you can go off and i'm done and with be free. you yeah <laughs> i guess it's maybe it's more certain pieces that i maybe if i learned something with them or um or had an exciting moment of like yeah discovery i think it's harder for me to let those pieces go yeah, I feel that um, way about, I have like a, a pivotal piece or usually like a mm. first piece in a series that mm. I do. Yeah. I yeah. I get attached to those. I always tell someone if it, if they buy the first of a series, I'm like, this is the first one. Like to get, because <laughs> I'm like, that's exciting to me. And I can tell they're like, they don't really care, you know, right. but I'm like, but it's the first one. It's more important to us. <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally. <laughs> Emotionally, we have some kind of attachment to it, but I don't know. I don't know where to start with your work. Yes. So I usually start, I, I've, I, we're already talking about being emotionally attached mm. to the pieces, which I definitely want to, to talk to you about because your work is so personal. Mm -hmm. It's so deeply personal and emotional. Um, and I have the same thing in my work and I'm interested, like you're, you're already talking about being attached to them and talking about having this, really deep connection in something that is, you know, you're working on it in a private space in your mm -hmm. studio, in your head. Mm -hmm. And then you have to take this stuff out into the world and like talk about it on podcast <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. um, it's a little scary. <clears throat> it's very scary. Yeah. And I don't know, how do you feel about that kind of public private aspect of your work? Um, for me, it's very layered. Partly, I mean, obviously in, in my studio, I cherish the time in here because it allows me to process, you know, the significance of what the work is about. And I feel like it's, it's obviously very cathartic. There are also the moments, um, and when I started this whole process of using my art to explore this like loss of my mom, it was, actually to help raise awareness of the disease. So, so you started it with a public intent. That's yes. interesting. Yes. And this was like in two, what, 2010, around then. Um, and, and I had no idea where it'd go. It was just something I was doing like in my kitchen at home. Like, 
I, so 2010, that was when your mother was first diagnosed? In 2009. In 2009. Yeah. And, and, oh yeah. gosh. I had it, um, frontotemporal oh, yeah. deterioration. Close. De- um, degeneration. Degeneration. Yeah. And okay, it, yeah, so. it used to be frontotemporal dementia, but they've, okay. yeah, shifted the term. Um, so, yeah, she was diagnosed in th- 2009. Um, obviously, uh, there's a lot um, that we were processing as a family. And then, I, yeah, I just decided I wanted to use my art um, I, I'd taken like a hiatus of making my own work. Mm-hmm. I was an art therapist for five years and, and what five years were you the therapist? What five years? Yeah. Um, like I said, graduated in like two thousand seven. There goes to, the chairs across the ceiling. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's my studio, my loud studio. Um, to 2000, gosh, 12. Okay, so, so in the you were in the middle of, of being an art mm-hmm, therapist when you mm-hmm. decided to do this personal work, which was yes. like your own therapy. Exactly. So I knew the significance of doing this for that. I didn't, I guess, in, I didn't have this idea that I was going to be showing it. It was just more to process at the time. And what um, kind of therapy were you doing? Like, were you working with children or with adults? Or? I would both. Um, I went to different jobs, um, over those years and yeah, worked with a whole range and it was really helpful to help, uh, to know from a personal standpoint, how best to care for my mom because she was, you know, was working with people with severe psychiatric, um, challenges and obviously then my mom all of a sudden had something where Mm. she was losing her mind. And so it helped me figure out, you know, care plan and, how best to interact with her so she wasn't as scared and um, finding, you know, the right fit for her as she, you know, needed to transition to different um, living facilities and that kind of stuff. So I'm very thankful to have that history and that experience. Um, There are times I wish I just stayed with the art because I did have, I got a BFA and then went into art therapy thinking that was something I'd do for so my you mean lifetime. when you mean stay with the art like that you would have never gone into therapy? Yeah, I mean yeah, the other's part of me. I feel like I'm behind. <laughs> oh, you know? well, we're always yeah. behind. But always what, behind. what? So you got an M F F O oh, O oh, oh, um, for art therapy. For therapy, yeah. I got an M A A T, a Master of Arts in Art Therapy. From okay. The School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh. In, in Chicago. In Chicago. And then where is your, you have a BFA? A BFA from the University of Michigan. And that's in painting? That's in painting. Yep. Okay. And then you have an MFA also? And then I just got my MFA at Georgia State. Yes. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Did you just now graduate? I graduated a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So. So there, there was this turning point before, like during, in practicing art therapy. I was like, I need, I was burning out with Everything with my mom. Right, because now you had this thing to deal with on your own. Yeah. And it's super stressful to be in a work situation where you're dealing with everybody's intimate mm-hmm. problems. Yeah. I mean, you get you take... I, I know as a public school teacher, I took that stuff home with me. Mm-hmm. And it weighs on you. Exactly. Yeah. So... It was... <clears throat> and I'm... The empathy beside of me was, yeah, it was just a caring too much um so yeah so you had to get and what when did you decide to stop with the art therapy and where were you practicing art therapy was that in 
At the time, I was um, at Georgia Regional Hospital, which is our Atlanta's local um, psychiatric hospital. Um, I'd been there for about two years, and I loved it. It was a great job, um, but I, I just decided to told my coworker, I was like, I just I think it's time for me to try to go back to school and just focus on myself in this work. Um, so just, you were in I was Michigan, feeling pulled. You were in Michigan. You were in Chicago. Where Where did you grow up? I actually grew up here, in okay. Atlanta. Yeah. So you grew up I in Atlanta. Family, yeah, in, in Michigan, and that's kind of like what led me up there. So you decided to get out after. Where did you go to high school? I went to Westminster. Okay. So you were, but you were ready to leave for a while. And yes. Kind of spread oh, your yeah, wings yeah, yeah. and specifically to look at art. Yes. To, I, I wanted to go to art school. My mom very much wanted me to go to a tr- more traditional academic program. And she was like, you can go to art school here and take business classes or like whatever else she wanted me to do with my life. Um, so that's really, I think that's, yeah, why I went the art therapy route also. It seemed more practical. I always tell my students, don't listen to your parents. No, you should not. Because that's what happened to me, too. And my career got derailed and Mm -hmm. took me forever to get to where I wanted to be. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's exciting, though, to realize you can. For me, I was like, oh, I I came back, you know. There's a a nice, like, feeling of knowing myself now, I guess. Coming back. more of an adult. Oh, to to art. To 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 art. Yeah, to making Mm-hmm. creating things. I'm interested in the also, because I like to talk about being Southern on this podcast. Mm, like, yes. How do you feel about li- having lived and gone to school in these other places and then yeah. coming back to, I mean, you live in Atlanta, yeah. which is, I don't know how typical it is of the South, but yeah. it's different because it's a big urban area that's mm-hmm. very diverse. Mm-hmm. So have you lived anywhere outside of the Atlanta area? In the South? Mm-hmm. I have not. No. Just Atlanta. <laughs> I always come back. I, I will say um, I grew up in like Midtown and um, the Buckhead area. And when I got married, my husband um, was more familiar with um, Southeast side, like East Atlanta. And it like opened up this whole new world for me because I wasn't aware that like anything over there really, I mean, things existed, but I'd never explored it. And now right. that's like my whole world. And, you know, we live over there and, um, and I love going, you know, being downtown with Georgia state. It, it's, it, I love getting to like learn new parts of the city. Um, even though I've been here my whole life. It's a big city. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's constantly changing. Mix. Yes. Yes. Um, for good and for bad. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I feel like as as an artist, mostly for good. Yes. I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I have come back and left and come back and left, and it seems to just be getting better and better in terms of the possibilities as art as a career now. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that your mother Mm -hmm. was anti Mm -hmm. you going into art as a career, and were you, did you have another parent around, or just your... Um, I had (laughs) had a couple stepdads, um, and... uh, and my oh, I, I, my dad lives in uh, Alpharetta. Um, mm-hmm. He's at, he's always been supportive of my um, art career as well, um, but never like no one's ever had as much say as as my mom. Like we had a very uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, it's a very good relationship. She's always very supportive, and I I think that in part that's why. It, 
why I focus so much on the, the loss of the relationship because, I mean, perhaps there were moments, especially when she was going through really rough times with divorce or um, loss of a job or something, um, became perhaps too enmeshed. Like, and I have a sister too. She can, you know, vouch for the same thing happening. Um, and are you very, very close? How, what's the age difference with you and your sister? Are you the um, oldest? Or? We're four, four years apart about that. Um, but yeah, we're best friends. I see her all the time. So. And so you, your sister, and your mom are all really close. Yes. And what did your mom do for a living? Was she in the, she, she was, was not in the arts. She was not in the arts. She was a, a lawyer, okay. a corporate attorney. Um, but she, she always said she wished she'd been an architect. She was really good at visually planning things much better than I am. Um, seeing a vision and um, like if she wanted to have that, you know, house remodeled or something, working on that. So that's um, interesting. I started off as an architecture student at Georgia Tech. Um, what? Well, that's great. it has to do with that whole making money thing. Mm. You know, I wanted to be an artist from the get-go, and my dad was like, you're good at math. You should be an engineer. And I was like, uh, how about architecture? Yeah. That's like a good compromise. Although I, I do really respect architects, but do you think your mom felt that pressure to, for to make money? Like, is that why she was interested no. in doing that? or She, the, it's... I mean, if, I'll tell you the story. If you okay, want to hear the let's story. hear it. She, um, she was dating some guy at a frat at Emory, and she went to, at, to Emory, and um, they were all, go, you know, planning to be lawyers, all these guys, and they said they were planning for this, um, that, what is it, the, the LSAT? Yeah. Yeah, planning for the LSAT, and she's like, well, I think I'll try it. And so she went in and apparently did better than anyone who was preparing. She was brilliant. I mean, if you talk to anyone that knew my mom, that would say she was the smartest um, person they'd ever met. And what was she studying at the she, time? Um, psychology. And she so took the LSAT. She just took the LSAT <laughs> and did so well. And apparently all the, the um, guys were really pissed. And they're like, you've like ruined our chances to go to law school. Like, like, why? like this isn't funny to us. And um, apparently she's like, well, maybe I'll go to law school. And she got into Emory Law. <laughs> she decided to apply. Um, she got um, honors and, yeah, went on to, she was a, I don't want to say, she was, I think she was a U.S. assistant U.S. attorney, a district attorney. I can't, I don't remember the exact title, but she did that for a long time and then went into corporate law. But hmm. Um, so she kind of fell into it to prove that totally. she could do it. That's like my mom. Yeah, that's her. She was just like, I can do anything you can do. Like she, she, uh, yeah, anything that was difficult, she loved to try to challenge and overcome. We bumped heads a lot <laughs> as yeah. I was growing up. But uh, yeah, um, I think in part, I really, the, the business side of um, making art and doing well, and trying to like achieve success comes into like where that has come from I think is trying to in a way do it for my mom not for her because she would do it but because I knew she'd be proud of me if that makes sense she always was like getting good grades and like doing well was always right always made her happy pushed to the top of where you could go yeah with that and so you you didn't start with that at all in mind doing an art career you were Mm -mm. more doing it for therapy and just to think out now I I cruised like 
you know, they say deep Google. I did deep Instagram and cruised all the way back yes. to the beginning oh, of Lord. your Instagram page. <laughs> what to was kind there? Of, well, I was kind of <laughs> trying to look at your art to see huh. how long, because I was curious how long you had been doing these huggy faces. Oh, not that got, long. Yeah. You've got these paintings that you're kind of known yeah. for now uh-huh. that are these hugs, a lot of pink, which I mm-hmm. am very interested to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What does the pink mean to you? To me, it's like reclaiming femininity and like a power thing. I haven't really explored why I use pink. I can tell you where it comes from and the process of how I've got to it. So I was doing, um, basically all my graduate school was trying to figure out, like I say it's a vocabulary to express like what was going on. So I was using um, different methods and the second year, a couple things happened. I I started doing these like mixed these portraits of my mom and myself like mushed together. Oh, this must be I was about you to say the that. deep Instagram. Yeah. Is this with like one head inside yes. of the bigger head? Yes. And they're kind of much more naturalistic than what you're doing yes. now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So I was um I was t- taking these photos and then painting from them and trying to push the color um, and the, the colors that um, really inspired me that at that time were um, like R- Maria um, Lasning. Is it Ing? Lasning? L A S S N I G. Anyways, she's amazing and I'm so in love with her palette. Um, so I started trying to incorporate some of um, her like bright pinks and bright greens into my work and doing these portraits. Um, and with that, I was also looking at. And thinking a lot about um, touch and um, the physicality of my mom and how she's like physically there but not um, psychologically or mentally present and so focusing on her skin and like um, obviously flesh tones became really important so I was just doing a lot of these pushing of these pinks and I loved them with the greens and I don't know if that's where and why my little hug guys started when they came about these were very they were more flesh toned like if you see like the very first one I did it was more uh maybe some like orangey pinkish but as they developed it became more and more cartoonish and bubblegummy I haven't really yeah I and I I haven't had the time to to think about why they're pink I should probably explore that in my master's but they didn't make it into the thesis (laughs) I don't know. There's so much to kind of try to explain. I've been trying to back away from that vocabulary Mm -hmm. that you mentioned (laughs) because I went to Pratt and had that whole, it just ruined me for a long time Mm. where I over was overthinking everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I'm trying to talk, plain talk about my art and not get caught up in that thing, but just to really think about the emotion, the mm-hmm. reason I went into it in the first place, mm-hmm. which wasn't to do art speak with academics. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. that's where you end up, but that's right. not right where you start. I like to be able to do both, but the these are just so raw that you know, emotionally, like anybody can get into them. You don't have to do that art speak. Which is also the scary part about them. And I'm speaking from personal experience here where I just put up some work. And to me, it was very personal. 
and kind of raw emotionally for me to put it out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm liking, I'm thinking to myself, well, nobody really knows what this means. And then I talked to a couple and they came up and just basically were like, this means this, this, and this. And it just went straight to d- the deep of what I was trying to get to. And I was like, wow. oh shit, this is really transparent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So exposed. So exposed. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I feel that in your work. Like when I look at it in you, but you are right, I guess as a, as an art therapist to begin mm-hmm. with, you went right out there knowing that it, there was going to be this talking aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was, since that was like my initial intention, which I think being in grad school changed a bit because you're challenge to not think of it in that way right well that's like a motive you know it's funny because so when I went to grad school and I was doing this emotional stuff what they wanted me to do was talk about it in a formal way Mm -hmm. right it's really interesting to me Mm -hmm. I mean it's actually easier to talk about it in a formal way it's not emotionally like I was thinking about when I came in here to talk to you today I kind of, my mom came over last night and I have a kind of fraught relationship with my mother. Mm. So thinking about talking about mothers all morning, I was like, oh, is this going to be a super <laughs> emotional conversation? Or if it gets yeah. too emotional, we can yeah. always move into talking about formal painting. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty to cover. Yes. So, yeah, because it's interesting to me. And I, I wonder if that's kind of a cop out in academia mm. or if it's well, a what, justification. I don't know. What I was told... And which I, I, um, I requested the most honest feedback I could get. I mean, I didn't want it, you know, people to tiptoe because this is something that could potentially be hard to talk about or for me to get emotional. Um, but the, the, the feedback for a lot of my work was, well, why should anybody care? Which is, um, true. Like, why should anybody care? There are definitely things going on around us all the time that we turn to blind eye to because it doesn't really affect us. Um, and so my challenge that I decided was my challenge was, you know, how do I convey this, but also open it up to others so that others can bring their own story into it. And I still have my own. So, but it still resonates as true for what I'm going through. So in terms of, um, I was just a brutal critique. Oh, why should anybody care? But it's true. But is it, I mean, like you, you're going, it doesn't really matter the specifics of the disease. It's, I mean, to you it matters, but of course everybody has close relationships. Well, I think it was, I don't think the work that I was making that that we were talking about was strong enough to hold without maybe the story behind it. I got that. Yeah. Um, So that was, I wanted to figure out a way to, to have both those so that, because you're in, so you're in grad school to, for me, for me, learn like, uh, like, where do I situate myself? And who did you study with canon. at Georgia State? And why is it important? Um, I studied with, oh gosh, everyone. <laughs> um, and I don't want to leave anyone out, but I. You like, don't have to say any names. Um, I was just wondering if there's anybody like specifically that really influenced your painting there. Well, I will say that, like, in in particular to help me paint better, Mm -hmm. um, William Downs was really great. Mm -hmm. Um, He's actually my studio mate now. Nice. Um, 
but and he continues to give me really good feedback or tell me people to look at if I'm struggling with something. Um, uh, but uh, Craig Drennan was, was really on point, I feel, with telling me, like, don't, like, basically, don't try to create work that you think other people will have a certain response to or that will please them. Right. It's like I needed to be told to, like, let go of that. Um, and there, there are still things that people have to tell me, like, why do you, <laughs> like, don't, don't do this or that. Like, don't care about that. Just make the work that needs to be made. Rolling things. Like, what are they doing up there? They might be setting up for a wedding. In which case, this is just gonna go on for like hours. But yeah, I would <laughs> didn't want to make. Oh, so um, I was also making work for friends and family, but also right. um, people who are going through a similar thing or other caregivers. And it's like I didn't want to let them down by making something that they might find offensive. I gotcha. There's so much more than just it being a sad or you know about the loss it's like there are moments that are like funny and like sad at the same time or like there's a lot of dark humor throughout and, right um but obviously not everybody feels the same way uh so how does your family yeah. feel about your work and have you ever made anything that did off- offend or do they keep up with it yeah they follow me on instagram or facebook um or they'll come to shows uh my sister's incredibly supportive and you know likes everything I don't know if I don't know how my aunts and my uncles or like my, my mom's relatives how they perceive it they're they're really they're very supportive and they come to things um but it, you know I'm sure a lot of it is very weird and um I have to explain it you know like brain and you know they get it more my dad's of the mindset that like real art is like dog portraits and like right. house, like houses on lakes and things, and um, so he doesn't get this work and he doesn't understand why other people like it. But at the same, I don't know. I, but that's the, just the, that's the thing though. I'd like I have to just keep making what I'm gonna make, and it's um, it has to happen. <laughs> I heard I listened to your um, interview with your aunt and uncle, right? That were part of your video. Yes. Um, so you can find this video on your website. Yeah. And it was in your iDrum show yeah. also. Um, <clears throat> they seem, you know, like they were at least willing to go along with your. Oh, for sure. Project mm-hmm. and telling stories about your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in that respect, it would seem like they would be into it because it's really a, a matter of archiving yes uh, one of my aunts was really I could she was emotionally um, affected by it and she started crying when she saw it she was really excited about it um my other aunt I couldn't really tell if she liked it or not and that's fine um she was I think she was nervous about being um I don't know part of something public Exactly. And having this, like, yeah, it being out there and on display. And, um, 
And same for my uncle. I'm not sure um, how he felt about it. I actually never heard back from him about... He didn't come to the opening. And I don't... It not They couldn't come up for it, but I don't know if he's Just, even seen it online. So I think it is hard. It's harder for them. I'm definitely the person most obsessed with this whole thing. My sister... Um, doesn't fixate on it as much as I do. She gets, we both get, we go like through weeks of being sad and crying and calling each other about it. But um, I'm definitely the person more like, if it, I'm, I think I'm the only one that focuses like on how things were perhaps. Right. And like fixates on like what it means at the moment to be losing her and like, the final bits of her if that makes sense it um, does make sense and I think it's part of being an artist person mm. to kind of overthink and get really um there was this artist that was on art 21 a Canadian artist that was talking about basically all artists are obsessed with death mm, I need to see this um <clears throat> yeah I'll, I'll look it up and put it in the beginning because I, I think about it a lot because I have a lot of anxiety and I feel like a lot of my work is just me like worrying about stuff and kind of either rehashing, like you said, the past and kind of dissecting it. You know, when you get into that meta thinking, you're always trying to really hash out big issues, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's easier for people who are not artists to just live their lives. (laughs) And try to not think think of it. But I can't do that. forward. I think that's the curse of being an artist is that you have to, you're all, you're always looking at these big issues and Mm -hmm. thinking about them and Mm -hmm. how they affect you personally. Yes. (laughs) I wonder where they're going. (laughs) So you're going to be at the Zuckerman. I'm going to be at the Zuckerman. I was um, asked by P. Seth Thompson who's a um, local artist, to participate in a show he curated up there called Race Car, and all the work is, I'm going to totally botch it, but my understanding is it's <laughs> work about artists who are um, kind of obsessed with something that can't let something go. It's just like we were talking about. Round and round the yes. track. round and round the track. Um, so there are three paintings in that. Um, I'm very excited about it. I've always wanted to be in the Zuckerman. Um, in the same... Night, um, there's the it's it's not really a different opening, but in the Zuckerman, they're also gonna um, it's gonna be like the initial night for the mural that I did on the wall there. So there's a huge hug going up the staircase as you're heading up. How long did it take you to finish this? Oh, it's not, I don't know if it's finished, but <laughs> I had like I think nine days total. Nine days? Yeah, on scaffolding. And how big is it? It's like 22 by 24 feet. And I, that was wow. my f- first large-scale painting. Did you do it in acrylic? It's in acrylic and house paint. I guess, what, was that latex? Yeah, and did you do the whole latex. thing by yourself? I had um, one of my friends help me um, grid it out um, and sketch it in and like put on like a base coat, and, but the rest is um, I did. And did you pick this work? Like, was there an approval process? Did you decide what yes. was going to go up there? Um, I submitted a couple of sketches, <clears throat> and they mm-hmm. chose um, they chose this one because he's like going up. It looks like he's going up the stairs, kind of, because ah. he's going up the side of a mountain. 
And um, is there a painting that already exists that's like this? Or there are, yeah. I've done a couple versions, like okay. very small ones, and then a larger one I actually have here. Um, and it's like it's one of my more it's one of my favorite ones of the hug series only because he's like he's striving towards something there's something at the top of this mountain you don't know what it is um, but he looks very exasperated <laughs> um but he's it, but more but hopeful too like it's not as and you're calling this one a fear. he i know i say he I, are they all he's are they no i guess i say he as in a general term i don't want to say it and sometimes like sh- this one's a she <laughs> She's a she. Maybe it's more that the paintings are he's and the sculptures are she's. That's interesting. I don't know why. I have to catch myself at times too. Cause I'll be like, I don't, I don't like to give a pronoun, but that's just what comes out. But this one, you've said he I did. repeatedly. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. very genderless. Yeah. And you know, the there's these creatures. They don't really have uh, muscles or Mm-mm. any kind of anatomy that would let us identify them they're like blobby Mm -hmm. figures maybe i should say they they (laughs) they are it's two but you know originally i'm assuming you're thinking about you and your mom yeah but then they they take on this other kind of persona if it's a he then it's not you Mm -hmm. or maybe it's some aspect of you Mm -hmm. so your mural is going up there tonight. This is your first ever large-scale mural. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure if it's finished, but it's opening tonight. So are you, yes. you're not going to work on it after the opening. No, unless they ask me to, <laughs> which is fine. Well, why do you um, think it's not finished? Um, I haven't seen it with the scaffolding oh, okay. off. Okay. And I'm terrified I'm going to get there and be like, no. I like want to fix something and I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's just a fear I have, more than it not really being finished. I'm sure it'll be fine. I think I honestly could have probably worked on it for a year. Yeah, at the, that scale, but I did not have that time. But I'm I'm happy with it. I learned a lot, um, so I'd love to try it again. If nine not nine days seems mural. like a really short amount of time. Yes, <laughs> like, that's how I felt. I feel like a month would but, still be short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a good challenge. And I do, I will say I work very fast. So I was thinking, I was like, okay. So you, and they're like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for those yeah. nine days? Yeah. No, yeah, no overtime. Yeah. Uh, and there were moments I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I would leave a little early because I'd be like, I think I'm just like, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> and then come back the next day and be like, oh, I need to do this and this. So there's definitely like times I probably should have used my time better. But I didn't know it. And what are the and other two openings that are happening? Oh, or one opening, one closing. The other opening is the Art of the South um, show up in Nashville. Um, and it was like a juried show that was, um, I don't know, it was like juried. It says curated. I don't know if it's curated. I guess it is. But um, by Mark Scala of uh, the First Center. Not First. Frist, Frist Center. So I'm excited about that. That's in Nashville, That's right? in Nashville at Ground Floor Gallery. And then, um, yeah, and then I'm my day and night projects counterparts, counterparts, um, 
Oh yeah, let's talk about that, day and night projects. Yeah, so, we have a closing also tonight, and in, that's in here. In, it's actually in Tampa. Oh okay, yeah. I think I saw your Instagram yeah. van photos yes. of yeah. you guys. So who day and night is like a co-op gallery? Yeah, yeah, art, run by art artists. Collective. Yes. Art collective, and who mm-hmm. is in that? It's uh, me, William Downs, um, Stephen Anderson, and Mark Liebert. And you guys show whose work? Like we, your own work or other sh- people's work? Oh, well, in our gallery here, we have a little gallery attached to our studio space. And we'll show other people's work. We have had one show that was our work. It was like our initial um, inaugural show. Um, but the rest of it has been through submissions. So people submitting something or contacting us and saying, I have a proposal. And so they'll give it to us. And that's what happens. And the um, space in Tampa, where is that? That is Tempest Projects, and that is they. We are showing our work there right now, and then they will be showing um, some artists they're selecting because they're not. They're more of a gallery, a nonprofit gallery. They're going to select some more artists to show here next year. Okay, I think it's next year. And how many shows per year do you guys put on? We try to do um, for the space here uh, one a month. Okay. So. We're hoping that we can do some more swaps with other artist co-ops mm-hmm. or art collectives. Right. So that's the plan. That's cool. And this yeah. is a good space here. So you, your studio, and you said William Down's studio is here. Mm-hmm. So who, what's the deal with the space that the gallery is in? Are you guys collectively paying for that space yep. together? <laughs> okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> so you're basically just adding on to your studio fee. Mm-hmm. and splitting a studio space mm-hmm. in this building to be a gallery. One other thing I was going to ask you about, you went to an art fair? Oh yeah. Recently? I did. Which was one so was nice. that? It was the Art on Paper Fair um, in New York and I got to go with um, Hathaway. They invited me to show some works on paper. And you're represented by Hathaway and now? And now, yeah, that um, I guess they, were, they sold my work there, which was fantastic, and um, yeah, they asked me to come on board. That's so exciting. That is very, a beautiful gallery. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And the work on paper yeah. that you were doing for that show, what kind oh, of work was it? that is bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, why bread and butter? Well, are you familiar with this like saying that you bread and butter that you say when you're walking with someone down the street and you're holding hands and you come to like a post in your path or like something in your way no. well <laughs> you're not alone but um i'd say like one in ten people have heard of this term and it was something my mom would say so we'd be walking with her holding hands and we come to something in the way and you'd go bread and butter and it means it's like a good luck charm that wards off splitting up in the future so you can't split up like once bread and butter are together, you can't separate them. So it started from there. And so I started just kind of playing around with like making these last summer just for fun, using a lot of different color. And people, so that's funny because I thought when you said them. that, that that it was your bread and butter, meaning that this is where you sell work, which is also well, that true. Too. That too. <laughs> because then it was, well, because it got me thinking about like all the ways yeah bread and butter are used but it's like my work that's like so personal and it's about something so difficult is also like my bread and butter it's like how do you I don't it was like a lot about that like how do I separate that out um I don't know like selling part of myself I it's I don't know it was I liked all the ways that had meaning yeah Um, 
Yeah, it's very difficult to think about. Um, I think works on paper are easier to part with. Like you're saying, when you get an emotional attachment to your mm-hmm. work, I think of my monotypes as being something that I can even more easily part with in terms mm-hmm. of selling. Um, but when I saw when I first saw those pieces, I was like, I have no, I could not understand why what they had to do like, with your hug pieces yeah, because yeah. again, it was like a fixation. Like mm-hmm. there was more than one of them, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what's up with the toast? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. I get like a lot of that. Like, what are you doing? But I like the idea of them being in pairs, and that's why I put them in pairs. And what kind of uh, media are you using for those? Those are um, acrylic marker. They're uh, Molotov acrylic markers on yeah, watercolor paper. Or um, I've been using Yupo recently. Mm-hmm. I really like how that looks. Or that's sometimes they're on panel. But like these guys from the Mocha Wathal show. I'm doing a, I'm doing a pair of donkeys, <laughs> and they're based on these two donkeys that were on the island that we went to the Asaba. Mm-hmm. It's like the trip that you take for. So the you Wat-Hall. you're the you're one of the Walt Hall fellows yes. this yes. time around. Yes. And have you already take you took the trip already? We took the trip. It was like a residency for mm-hmm. a week. Yes. And um, there are these donkeys that have been like left on the island. <laughs> there are eight of them, and there's a mother. Um, babe, there's a mother, son, or daughter. I don't know what it is. But mother, baby pair. And they never separate. They're always together, these two. Even if all the other six go somewhere else, that these two are always together. And I just... Obviously, really related. I like these. And they have some kind of disease that they have to be quarantined on the island. Oh. So I'm like, there are these two donkeys <laughs> left on this island forever. No one's like really caring for them. Um, some, apparently the woman that used to kind of run the island, she used to like care for them and like let them in her house. Um, but they just like hang out there. And, um, and so what we're looking I at here in your it. studio oh, is like a big piece of canvas that's been, it's not done yet. Something has been cut out of the center of it. Oh yeah. That's the two. And I'm just going to stuff them. And then, so that's the donkey. These are the donkeys. So you've cut yeah. the donkey. Is that a head or a whole donkey? Uh, they're two whole donkeys. Okay, so two whole donkeys you have cut out of this piece that's on the wall, and you're going to sew those onto a 3D piece? Yes. And then that will also be 3D up there. Okay. And so, <laughs> so this is a little bit of a departure, but not too much of a departure. Yeah, it's still related, but... Um, I just was like, why not? <laughs> this is, I wanted to make something a bit different, but, but obviously not too different for um, the show. So, and there's a little set right there too. The oh yeah, the little picture of the donkeys. Yeah. So one thing that really interests me about your work and that I find uh, I have in common, I think, is that you have these 3D pieces that are to me clearly paintings, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you've actually painted this on the wall first, and then cut it out, and now mm-hmm. you're going to make your painting into a sculpture. Yes. <laughs> like why? why do that? Yeah. Why do that? I don't know. I mean, it I've just... been thinking about it a lot because I do it. <laughs> I make. Um, I. Pa- it's important for me that my yeah. 3D pieces are paintings. Yeah. Because hmm. that's how I. Well, to me, it's like a matter of hierarchy mm-hmm. I feel like painting is the top mm. of the art food chain of course it is and <laughs> I want my work to all be painting yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so but 
it's it's also a matter of like just that's the way I've always expressed myself. Hmm. So I don't I'm not really comfortable with just having a 3D space. But I was talking to someone at the Hathaway about that troll that I have in there, mm-hmm. right? And painting is somewhat feels safer to me. It's an illusion. Or mm. it can be an illusion, mm-hmm. whereas sculpture is never an illusion to me. It's it, it's out there in our world, and it becomes a real mm. object that you physically have to contend yes. with. Yes, I yeah. For my thesis, I wrote a little bit about that with in terms of like the paintings being like um a um well, can't think of the word a vignette. Like mm-hmm. something like a something like a story to like kind of like a window to look into. Yes. Um, to see from afar, and I like the idea of that. Obviously, relating to my own experience, but with like something being near and far away at the same time. Um, but I like the idea of the tactile quality of of these sculptures and how yeah they could come in your space. You kind of want to touch them, but you right. can't. They come in your space and they become. It's like your paintings become real. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. It's like the stuff has come out of my yeah. paintings and yeah. into my real world, which is scarier <laughs> than the actual painting. Sure. To me, it is. The paintings are kind of contained in another world. It's like there's a glass wall mm-hmm. between you and them. Mm-hmm. It's like a psychological kind of uh, yeah. um, playing with you. And I think also <laughs> people don't know what to do with them. They don't know how to classify it. They don't know... How to? Yeah, they just don't know how to like. How to like? What do I do with this? I can't put it on my wall. The three D like ones. That. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. They're they're not commercially <laughs> no, viable. Not maybe. I mean, it I don't, should be. I think in New York, sure. Right. Here, well, no you know, I always joke that I'm making them for the High Museum. Like, <laughs> I, I have no. I I have no illusion that someone is going to put this ugly thing in their house i mean that's not what it's not decoration but to Mm -hmm. me that makes it all the more art Mm -hmm. like it's kind of ridiculous but you know like the less sellable it is the more it's i'm like it's art because it's not decoration and that's something that's important to me like i really don't want to make paintings that are pretty Mm. which is interesting also with the pink and oh i like it when they're pretty but yeah yeah, you do (laughs) i don't i i feel like i i if something starts getting really pretty i want to destroy it yeah yeah well i think that's why i did these this was too comfortable like being just a painting of donkeys Mm. it was like too like i was like this is something you would see in a gallery i really don't like and um like what can i do to it i talked about my friend and she's like just cut it up (laughs) i was like oh and then I was like, oh, and then maybe I can make it into something different. So but this is really interesting we'll on its goes. own, isn't it? Like the negative space of oh, where sure. you cut the donkey. I mean, this could be its own its own thing. Yeah. Like you could just stretch this and have it out there in the world or have it like as a wall that you can look through. Mm-hmm. I really like how this, I thought this was the piece. The done piece. Like when I came in. And I... <sighs> I, I did a series of cutout pieces in grad school, and I I enjoyed them. And I think that that's why I'm like, no, <laughs> this can't just be it. But what perhaps it is it, that you enjoyed them, and so you're gonna and then not like, let you do the, you do the. You well, I was like, well, this is I'm done with this. this is, so like now I feel like I have to push it to in another direction. There'll still be holes there, 
but they'll be like, it's in my head it's gonna be a stuffed painting with holes. You'll see if you, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> Wait, so you are gonna use this yeah. for something? Oh yeah, yeah, these okay. two are still gonna be together. They're, okay. This, this is gonna be, have a like. So this is gonna be. They're both a, gonna be stuffed. Like a quilted painting? Yeah. Yes. But thicker. Thick. And then oh, the a, abscess will not be. Woman I follow on Instagram that does paintings she calls inflatables. Have you seen these? Wait, um, is she in Tennessee? I think so. I think she might be in Nashville. Yeah, I've, and they're like I've been looking at her too. Yeah, those are very she, yeah. interesting. I think that, she's in the show that I'm in. Oh, yeah. she is the Art of the South show. Yeah. So like the edges are puffy, like kind of like a frame, and she paints on top of them. Yes. I'm really they're interested gorgeous. in those too. I wish we both knew her name, or one of us did. I'll, I'll look it up, okay. and I'll put a link in the oh, podcast. Okay. I do that sometimes if I can't think oh, cool. of something. But, yeah, I follow her on Instagram, and I really mm-hmm. I want to I, – I think about her in the same – Anna Lee McKenzie is another artist mm. that paints on her frames um, that I follow. And then there's this person with the inflatables, and I can't remember hers. But that's what I thought of when you said you were going to puff it up. A yeah. little bit. Maybe yeah. I'll try and do an interview for her for the podcast. Yes, you should. Yeah. I've, yeah. I'm very curious about her practice. Yeah, me too. I've been internet stalking her. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, thanks for having me in your studio, <gasps> Oh, my Tori. gosh. Thank you. I hope I answered your questions. Yeah. Yeah. It was great talking to you. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks for coming. Thanks so much to Tori Tinsley for having me to your studio for some real talk about life and art and art and life. Good stuff. And the artist that we were just talking about, Amelia Briggs, is the artist in Nashville with the inflatables. Amelia, if you're listening, reach out. You know I want you on the podcast. And I want to go to Nash. I always want to go to Nashville. So, yeah, let's do it. Um, thank you to you guys for listening. Um, and any of you who are worried about me after that death intro and the, I just want you to know that today, as I was putting the final editing touches on the podcast, I actually took my kids to Legion pool, which is like an instant dose of vitamin D happiness into my life. So I'm all good now, you know, I can like dive into the depths of the darkness and listen to the Elliot Smith and then it's another day and I'm hanging out at Legion Pool in my new swimsuit, which I really like with my kids getting happy on just sunshine. It's awesome. So that's, that's where I am now. It's a good place. And, um, I hope you guys are at a good place as well. If you'd like to support the podcast so I can do cool things like go to Nashville to talk to awesome artists, you can find Peachy Keen on Patreon.com where you can make a monthly pledge and get cool stuff. You can find images of Tori's work and links to some of the things that we talked about on my website, Vivian Liddell, that's V-I-V-I-A-N-L-I-D-D-E-L-L.com on the Peachy Keen page. Until we meet again, I hope your days are filled with pools and creamsicles. In other words, peach keen. <laughs>